Hi, friends! Welcome hey, back hey. to Heroes You Should Know! Uh, as you can see, I'm here with Sergio this week. I never know which direction you are for me. I'm, I'm, I'm below you. I'm below oh, you. Yes. Hi! <laughs> How's it going? <laughs> uh, this week is great. Um, <laughs> this week is great, yes. This week is great um, because it's unintentionally Space Week. Which I love that happened. Like yes. we didn't we didn't really plan it out this way, but uh, we're doing Starforged Session Zero on Friday, which is awesome and very exciting. And as the name implies, it's in space. <laughs> uh, and now today we're going to talk about Sally Ride, who yeah. is an astronaut and a physicist. I, I, I just got to tell you, Allegra, up front, I am a big fan of astronauts. I'm a big fan yeah. of NASA. I'm actually wearing my NASA T-shirt today. Oh, nice! So I, you know, I grew up as a kid in Florida, so I was near Cape Canaveral and where they yeah. set off all the rockets and stuff. And my grandmother for a while uh, worked at NASA in the drafting department. She did drafts of the rockets and of the ships and stuff like that. Dude. So she, yeah, so she had uh, schematics and she had photos and stuff. I had some hanging in my room, so I've always been a big fan of astronauts. I didn't know Sally Ride that much, so it's been a real pleasure kind of learning about her. I love her. She has always been like one of my like, like I have a really hard time listing like superlatives like who's your hero? Who's the fa your favorite this? Who's your favorite that? Right. And she's always been pretty high on my list of like okay, if I had to pick like personal heroes, Sally rides up there. Yeah, she's so she's cool. cool. Hell of a life. Um hell of a life. <laughs> uh why don't we why don't we go ahead and jump into it? Um actually, oh, I had one more thing I was going to say. I really did want to talk about Mae Jemison, who I think is amazing, but she is still alive. She, which is great for us. That's fantastic. The world gets to like have her more, which is awesome. But I feel really uncomfortable talking about a person who is alive, who could potentially, someone could be like, hey, these weirdos talked about you on a stream for Dungeons and Dragons. Like they turned you into a D&D. That seems weird to me. Like she could hear about that through the internet. And I'd, I I would feel weird about that. Dr. Jemison, you're fantastic. If, if you do hear about this, you're an inspiration. She's super fucking cool. She was a doctor. She mm. was an astronaut. She was the first black woman in space. She was an activist. She was a dancer. Wow. She's the only person on Star Trek to have actually been to space. She totally deserves her own episode. <laughs> right? She's cool as hell. Um, but I hope I don't do that episode for a really, 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 really long time because I would like her to live a long life and continue all the wonderful work she's been doing. So please go learn about Mae Jemison. She's cool as fuck. Um, but we're going to talk about Sally Ride today, who is also cool as fuck. So let's 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 start on that. Let's do it. Dive in. One day I'll get better at this, I swear. <laughs> Just got to get one or two sips in. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> So, um, Sally Ride was born May 26th, 1951 in Encino, California, just down the road from us. Mm. Uh, she had one sister named Karen, and her parents were both elders of the Presbyterian Church. Her mother worked as a volunteer counselor at a women's correctional facility, and her dad was a political science professor at uh, the Santa Monica College. Like, none, none, none science. None science there. They're all just like... Yeah. Super chill. Yeah. Um... More in the, uh, what is it called? Not not the uh, mathematics social world. Sciences. Yeah, social sciences, yeah. Yeah, which is, which is neat. Um, so she, she went to, you know, public school for a while, and then she went to uh, a private school, Westlake School for Girls, for high school on a partial tennis scholarship. Um, and she actually went on to be a nationally ranked tennis player for a few years uh, into her undergraduate, um, I think it was, I think it was her junior year, I believe, or sophomore year, sophomore year. Uh, at Swarthmore uh, College, and then Swarthmore um, is that had... what it was called? Mm -hmm. gotcha. Swarthmore. Uh, she kind of toyed with the idea of going professional, um, but then decided to concentrate her focus on uh, her STEM career instead. Which, thank goodness for us, she did. Yeah, uh, I'm sure she would have been a great fucking professional tennis player too. Honestly, she could do whatever she wanted. <laughs> it's, it's very cool to see how talented she was. Yeah, like multi, very multifaceted, mm -hmm, like, because mm -hmm. you, because kind of, you always are just like, okay, like, science nerds are just science nerds. Like, in my head, it kind of goes like, okay, we've got wizards, wizards hang out over there, they don't do anything else, they're squishy, <laughs> and that's where they stay. But yeah. like, that's not real life. She, she's most definitely not a wizard, that's for sure. No. It's, it's, so, it's like, like when I, like I did Alan Turing a couple weeks ago and he was like a marathon runner for the hell of it. Mm. That's what it made me think of. It's like, okay, like. 
they have physical prowess. This sounds shittier than I'm meaning it to sound. No, no, no. But I mean, you know, you you expect people who are intelligent to not necessarily be that well-rounded in terms of physicality and stuff. But that is what's interesting about astronauts is they have to be physically and mentally and intellectually like at the top of their game. Wow. Like, can you imagine being like shot off at this like mock whatever they shoot you off at and just having to like take it 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 just takes incredible training and and it's the best of the best only the best can get up there brilliant powerful unbelievable astronauts are crazy they're cool as hell um anyway so they said she went to swathmore for three semesters took physics courses at ucla and then she transferred to stanford as a junior where she graduated with a double major, a BA in English and a bachelor's of science in physics in 1973. Um, Which is also like, we're going back to that kind of like, you expect science people to be very like strictly science and like, they don't really care about like the arts or like the other side of things. And then having her have like a double major and that was always like, it was was kind of a nice thing to read of like, okay, like she's incredibly well-rounded. Yeah, really was. Uh, so in 1975, she earns her master's from Stanford and then a PhD in 1978 while researching the interaction of X-rays with the interstellar medium. Um, and her her like area of expertise uh, was astrophysics and free lo- free electron lasers. Um, all very important, smart things. I tried to read about them. I don't fully understand them. <laughs> I've been doing this to myself a lot where I'm like, here's a cool person. They're really smart. I have to try and figure out what this means. (laughs) They did something I don't understand. It sounds dope. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So she does all of that amazing science, uh, finishes her PhD in 1978, and then she comes across a newspaper ad placed by NASA. Um, And so she's one out of 35 applicants who are chosen from over 8,000 to be a part of NASA's Astronaut Group 8, which is the first um, group to select women. There were uh, five other women. uh, And NASA NASA did kind of like vet the dudes who were in there. They were like, hey, are you a misogynist? Hey, are you like mentally able to work with a woman who's just as smart as you? Right. Can your ego Um, handle it? (laughs) Right. (laughs) And so they, they definitely kind of, like, weeded out the, the like, shitty dudes. Um, what in an year interview was this in like, again? Uh, 1978. 1978, yeah. yeah. Which is, like, painfully it's, recent. Yes, painfully recent. <laughs> and she, she really had to deal, deal a lot when it comes with, uh, you know, people commenting on the fact that she was a woman, which is just so, so hilarious. Yeah. She, she talked about in an interview uh, that a lot of the, like, higher-up, like, older astronauts were kind of like taken aback by these six women kind of on their campus and they had to like get used to the idea. But in her words, they didn't give us a hard time. So I think it was more of a like, huh. What are you see over there? <laughs> <laughs> you know? <laughs> oh, what are you what are you doing? <laughs> right, right. They're just kind of startled more than anything. <laughs> uh, so she graduates training in 1979, uh, which includes parachute jumping and water survival training. Wow. Which Makes a lot of sense because, you know, they're coming down through the through the atmosphere if they've got like, I don't know, can you rip cord out of a rocket? I don't know. I don't know. I don't know if they have parachutes in there or not. Yeah. The water survival training made sense, though, because yeah. they usually crash out of the ocean. I was like, right. oh, yeah, of course they of course they learned that. <laughs> um, so so graduating training means she's eligible eligible to be a mission specialist. Um, and while she's working on the ground, she is the capsule communicator for the second and third space shuttle flights and helped to develop the Canadarm robotic arm that's on the space shuttle to like catch payloads. So she's the one that helps um, develop it. And then later when she's actually on the shuttle, she's the one who operates it. Yeah, so at first she designed it and was and was on Earth, but mm-hmm. would operate it or was she not operating it at I first? Don't, I, I don't think she was operating it at first if i remember correctly i think she developed it and like helped train the people who were going to operate it 
up there if that's that's that was my understanding i, I suppose that makes sense because i don't I, I suppose you could technically control it you know via like a, a you know a wireless link or something because they can do it right. to the thing in mars the uh uh the, you know, the, the rover yeah the rover on mars but maybe it wasn't sophisticated enough and you had to actually be there to control it i don't know i got the impression yeah. that she did uh but uh maybe i'm wrong maybe so i i i, I need to i should have gone back and figured that out actually it's all good uh, so she may or may not have operated it from Earth, but she did from the space shuttle. Um, so uh, before her first flight, which uh, they, they call her up for her first flight in 1983. Um, but before then, the media loses their ever-loving shit about a woman going to space. <laughs> They're like asking her interview questions like, will the flight affect your reproductive organs? Which, why? like, I would be more concerned personally with a dude going because it's like external rather than internal they're, like they're such goofy questions <laughs> there's, yeah. there's another one is it what's the other one that they ask um where, where is it do you weep when things go wrong on the job <laughs> so dumb it's just stupid yeah it's like how do you plan to cook for the other astronauts once you're up there right. it's just such dumb just questions like, i'm a fucking scientist dude we all eat out of the same like foil packages right <laughs> So she, so she deals with that. She, uh, she kind of brushes them off. Um, she always just kind of saw herself as an, as an astronaut. And later on, she commented, "It's too bad this is such a big deal. It's too bad our society isn't further along." <laughs> I it, love her. It, it had to have been exhausting in the in. I mean, pretty much, so it still is exhausting to be a woman. But I think it's it, it must have been exhausting yeah. just to, in the in the limelight. And the first American woman in 1978 going to yeah, space. Yeah, you're, you're trying to do something that, that is changing the world, and people are just asking the dumbest questions. Uh, Ladybug4673 in our chat says, Women weren't allowed to ride trains initially because men thought their uteruses would fly out. Little known fact. <laughs> Thank you. Uh, <laughs> uh, I, it's internal, though, friends. It's up in there. It's got a prolapse to come out. Okay. Don't, please don't go into the detail of it. <laughs> Look, I'm just saying, it'd be a lot harder for a uterus to fly out than a dick to fly off. That's, That's all fair. I'm saying. That is fair. <laughs> I agree. Um, <laughs> so anyway, those are those are some of their issues. Uh, and then some of the engineers called Sally in. I think they were trying to be sweet. I don't think it was meant as a dig. I think it was meant generally in a kind way. So they call her in to try and develop space-friendly makeup because they knew that the men were going to want shaving kits. So they were like trying to accommodate what she might want. She does not appear <laughs> Which, like, like the kind of person that wears a lot of makeup. <laughs> I don't think she was. It's like, like the idea of it is very, I think it's steeped in like, we want to make sure you have things you need. Women need makeup, right? right so I they, think yeah. they were trying to be like accommodating, but it was just stupid. Yeah, they probably thought, oh, you're you're going to have photos or video taken of you. You probably are going to want to make up like every other woman. It's like, Jesus Christ. No, no, I mean, if you look at all the pictures of her, like in space, no. No, of course not. There's no <laughs> damn time for makeup there's, in space. There's no reason for makeup in space. You make one mistake in space and you're dead. Like, there's no yeah. time for it. It's a fucking vacuum. Yes. Um. So that th that was one thing she had to deal with. And then they also tr <laughs> they tried to figure out how to deal with space menstruation. Mm. And the engineers were very confused and suggested 100 tampons for one woman in space for one week. <laughs> I was like... <laughs> Did they even Did they bother asking? Just constantly yeah. changing it. Right. Wow. <laughs> so again, they were tr they were. I think they were genuinely trying, but they had no idea what they were fucking doing. <laughs> it sounds like they were just like literally making up what they think might happen to a woman. Like, oh, if she goes into space and she has menstruation, it might be space menstruation, and it's like super strong <laughs> yeah. or something. So the space bizarre. blood will come out. Like, no, dude, just chill. God, chill out. <laughs> Uh, so yeah, that's some of the stuff Sally had to deal with. We're laughing at it now, but I think it was really, like, it had to have been just so much for her to deal with. I'm sure she had a lot of grace to deal with, with it all. So much. Uh, <laughs> um, so in 1982, a year before she goes into space, she marries fellow NASA astronaut Steve Hawley, uh, but their marriage only lasts until, uh, I wrote 1997, it's supposed to be 1987. Hmm. So, uh, just five years that they were married. 
Um, <clears throat> so while Sally, you think, it, you think it would be tough to be married to an astronaut? I mean, I mean, they were both astronauts, right? They were both, yeah. Steve Holly was also an astronaut, so they probably um, felt like you know there was a there was a kinship there, work, right? Like, we can't, yeah, right, right. But yeah, I mean, the fear I mean, of them never coming back. Yeah, God, like. Just, like, I can't imagine my girlfriend, like, putting my girlfriend in a space shuttle and being like, all right, babe, see you in two weeks. Yeah. <sighs> like, mmm. Yeah. There were obviously other reasons that her marriage didn't work out. We'll get to your those later. Yes. yes. <laughs> um, so, while Sally is the first American woman in space, the first woman in space overall was cosmonaut Valentina Tereshkova. Tereshkova uh, yeah, there you go. <laughs> 20, tw- uh, almost exactly 20 years earlier in 1963 um there was another russian cosmonaut who was the second woman in space overall and sally is the third um so in june on june 18th of 1983 uh she becomes the first american woman in space uh as a crew of the space shuttle challenger for the sts-7 um launch mission uh, which is intended to deploy two communication saddles, one for saddle satellites, not saddles, communication saddles. Yeehaw. They're just going to let saddles float <laughs> around the orbit of Earth. <laughs> is it? <laughs> for the space horses. <laughs> Get along, yeehaw! <laughs> <laughs> uh, anyway. That, that's where um, that nickname, Ride Sally Ride, comes from. <laughs> yeah, yes, not the song, no. but this. Mm-hmm. Um but their communication satellites, uh, one for Canada and one for Indonesia, as well as to test uh, a TDSR satellite and release the first shuttle pallet satellite, the SPAS-1. The SPAS-1 was deployed uh, and underwent experiments uh, and was to be deployed, undergo experiments, and then recollected to be brought back to Earth. So it was like sent out to orbit and then to be caught. So one of Sally's jobs was to work the robotic arm that deployed and caught the SPAS-1. Which is wild. Yeah, that's that's got to be tough. I mean, you, you think the, the claw machine at Chuck E. Cheese is tough, you know what I mean? Yeah. Try doing it, you know, however many, what what is it, hundreds of thousands of feet in the air without oxygen. No gravity. No gravity. Uh, in, a, in a space suit. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so... Yeah, so she's doing all that in space, and when they when they launched from um, from Earth, um, people like spectators wore shirts with uh, "Ride Sally Ride" written on them, which is the lyrics from a song "Mustang Sally" by Wilson Pickett, which came out in 1966. So it's definitely not about her at all. Um, but I kind of like that that it was like, oh, neat! This song has her name in it, and she's gonna ride a rocket. Yeah, no, this- the song's not about her, but I, I do like that the public kind of really rallied behind the the excitement yeah. of the first American woman in space. Yeah. Um, for a while, uh, she was, or no, I'm sorry, not for a while. She was never the youngest astronaut in space. She was the youngest American astronaut in space uh, when she traveled at age 32 i believe yes 32 interesting um and the youngest person overall was german titov another russian cosmonaut uh age 25 oh those russians just like shoving people into space huh the cosmonauts (laughs) were like let's go let's go final (laughs) frontier bitches you said what 25 25 that's insanely young yeah i mean because what if you think about it like astronauts need to have a career first of like sometimes they're pilots sometimes they're scientists or physicists doctors so you know this is like the second phase of their life so it's crazy to think somebody up there at 25 but 32 is still pretty young as well yeah uh yeah so she's 32 she goes in space she comes back all is well um and then she takes her second flight on october 5th 1984 the sts-41g uh which includes a crew of seven uh including another woman katherine sullivan who is the, which is the first time a woman does extravehicular activities, which is doing a spacewalk, like she went outside the shuttle. Cool. Very cool. Um, also, this included the first Canadian astronaut, the first Australian-born astronaut, and the first astronaut with a beard. <laughs> <laughs> okay, cool. <laughs> Important distinction. I don't know why, but apparently it is. Well, probably because just all those first astronauts were those clean-cut pilots, you know, that just don't yeah. have any facial hair. It's like Captain America looking. Interesting. 
dudes. So, so what do they have left? Do they have the the astronaut with a tattoo? First astronaut <laughs> with a piercing, like first astronaut that can like that has to wear glasses. I don't know. <laughs> um, so yeah, so they have all these first. Some some of them are like legit first. Some of them are like is that a first? Or yeah, kind of like looking? some of them are reaching a little bit, but okay. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but by this point, she had spent more than 343 hours in space. Wow. Uh, and on that flight, she again used the robotic arm to adjust a radar antenna and remove ice from the outside of the shuttle. So she was, like, perfecting her skills with that that robotic arm. Um, <laughs> have you ever seen that, that YouTube video of the astronaut who comes back from space and he's, like, talking to someone and he's trying to explain something? And he's, like, holding, I think he's holding a cup. And he's, like, okay, hold on. And he, like, he lets go of the cup. And leaves like like thinking it's gonna just be oh, left midair. Really? And he turns to get something else, and he turns back and he reaches for the cup, and the cup's not there. And he looks down, and he's like, "Oh, right." And he goes and gets it. And then again later in the interview, he like he's trying to demonstrate something with like a pen, and he's holding the pen, and he reach again reaches for something that's away, and he lets go of the pen, and the pen pen falls. I have not seen it. that. It's so interesting because like if you got used to having that kind of like extra like oh, I can just let this go and it'll still be there exactly where I left it when I come back. Like how how much of like a a relearning do you have to do when gravity is kind of involved? Uh, let's see. It's like a guy behind like, like there's like a green yes. background behind him. Yeah, yes. I think I, I have it here. I wonder if I can show it. Uh, let's see if I can uh, display capture here. There it is. Yeah, so let's see if yeah. I can. You can probably... You probably won't be able to hear it. Yeah, that I, I think it's okay. It's just like, just seeing the like the look of shock on his face of like, it's not where I left it. A part of me thinks this is a joke, though. <laughs> it could honestly, it could be, which is kind of. Like, I get the impression that was like an April Fool's that NASA did. <laughs> oh, that'd be good. Yeah, there. <laughs> Bless him. Yeah. And then just like coming back and be like, oh. <laughs> But like, I, I wonder if that's genuinely something. I'm sure. They have to uh, with. Well, I mean, we know for sure like gravity really eats up their their bone density and their muscle mass, so it takes a right. lot to to recoup once you come back. Yeah. Space man, fucking Space. wild. Exactly. <laughs> um. Anyway, so Sally is training for her third mission, uh, the STS sixty one M, when the space shuttle sh space shuttle Challenger explodes in January of uh, nineteen eighty six. So unsurprisingly, like grounds her her mission, yeah. uh, because that was the spaceship she was supposed to fly in. Mm. Um, so in the wake of that explosion, uh, Sally is added to the Rogers Commission, which is the folks that are put together to investigate the Challenger disaster, and 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 she heads up a subcommittee on the operations of what was you know what was going on on the yeah. on the shuttle. Uh, and she's actually the only person to have served on both the commission for the Challenger explosion and then again in 2013 when the Columbia explosion happened as well. Um, do you remember at, that? Oh, yeah. I was I was very young, so I didn't really register, but it was something that was kind of always in the news for the next couple of years. I was, the Challenger was? The Challenger was. I was like well, was two, two and a half. Oh, I'm sorry. So what year was Columbia? 2003. Yeah, no, of course I remember that one, yeah. Okay, yeah, because I remember that because I was like eight or nine, and I remember mm. like being in my uncle's house and seeing it on the news and being like, what the fuck? Yeah, it's always distressing when it happens. I mean, it, you know, it's amazing that NASA hasn't had more accidents. It goes to show you how, how good yeah. they are, how, how good their engineers are, that they, you know, of all of the accidents, it's only been like two major ones, two at least in big, modern history. Yeah. Ones. Um. Yeah, so she serves, she serves on both of those uh, commissions. So uh, after her death, General Donald Coutinho, Coutinho, uh, he, so he reveals that she is the one who discreetly kind of provided him with the information that the O-rings uh, that became stiff in the low temperature, which kind of were eventually what called, caused the failure of the spatial, she was the one who kind of brought that information to him and was like, hey, this is what this was. Mm -hmm. um, so that's cool. Um, after that investigation, Sally is assigned to the NASA headquarters in D.C., uh, where she leads the first strategic planning effort and creates a report called the NASA, NASA Leadership and Americans, America's Future in Space. So she's always been, like, thinking about, okay, what's next? We've, we've gone to space. We've gone to the moon. What's next? We've got an international space station. What's next? Um, and she was always very, like, into the forward motion of, 
what are we doing after this? Where are yeah. we going after this? Right. Um, 1987, she leaves that position in D.C. and she works for the Stanford University Center of International Security and Arms Control. Again, doing space stuff. Uh, <laughs> you know. <laughs> it sounds like she's finally kind of achieved uh, not an administrative, but like a, you know, people come to her for, you know, like, hey, you know, what, what do you think about this? How do we go about building, right. you know, these <laughs> programs and stuff like that? So she's definitely she's who they look moved to. up. Yeah, exactly. She's moved up within NASA for sure. Um, yeah, that's that's definitely like she's definitely climbing that ladder of like mm -hmm. a very important person at NASA to know. Yeah. Um, 1989, she becomes a professor of physics at the University of California, San Diego. And at the same time, she is the director of the California Space Institute. Um, she's a member of the President's Commission, or sorry, President's Committee of Advisors on Science and Technology and the Advisory Board for the National Women's History Museum. She's doing a bunch. Yeah. <laughs> she's involved in everything right. spacey, which is fantastic. Uh, and then from the mid-90s until her death, she's also uh, leading two public outreach programs at NASA. Uh, the ISS Earth Cam and the Grail Moon Cam projects, which are based uh, in the NASA Jet Propulsion Labs, which is which is also pretty close to us, right? It's like uh, Jet Propulsion, I believe, has a, a situation in Hawthorne, uh, which is right yeah. by El Segundo, so they're just south of us. Just south of us, that's what we're yeah, saying. yeah. Um, so those and the UCSD as well, uh, which basically allowed kids in middle school to take pictures of Earth and the Moon using a camera that's on the International that's Space cool. Station. They could like request specific things. I don't. I don't think they got to be like, I'm gonna push the button that takes this picture, but I think they got to like request things and they could they could take pictures of them and then they would send them to them to study. I wonder if any of the kids requested like, hey, take a photo of my crush's window. Yeah. <laughs> it's the ultimate romantic move in the 1990s. I'm going to get the International Space Station. I mean, before Google Earth, you know. <laughs> before Google Earth. Ah, what were those times? <laughs> um we get to 1999, uh, where she acts in the season five finale of a show called Touched by an Angel. Oh, that's uh, cool. I watched more of that show than I would like to say. Because do you, I was do you remember for her. Sally? Oh, no, I didn't. I didn't oh, watch you didn't it watch it as a kid. You're ago. saying I, yes. I went back just now. And for found research it. purposes. I, I did remember, like, I, I heard the theme song and I was like, oh, this was like, I remember this from my childhood weirdly. Mm -hmm. Um. But I watched it for research purposes. She was herself. She was talking to another astronaut. It was painfully 90s. <laughs> she did a great job, though. She was her. It was, I that was awesome. I have a photo of her on Sesame Street as well. So at some point, she must oh. have done Sesame Street. Yeah. That's nice. Sesame Street's got a, Sesame Street's got a lot of like good stuff. Yeah, good man. They always have the best there. people on there. Sorry, I got nostalgia about Sesame Street. Anyway. <laughs> Let's just go watch Sesame Street after this. Okay. <laughs> um, anyway, so 2001. Uh, we're 2001, and she co-founds Sally Ride Science, which creates, like, entertaining science, math, technology programs and publications for, like, upper middle school – or, sorry, upper elementary and middle school kids um, kind of geared toward more young women. Um, and it's not only for the students themselves, but it's actually got, like, resources – for the teachers and the parents to kind of like continue helping to foster that like interest in science and interest in math and like all the STEM stuff. Um, so she kind of became like Neil deGrasse Tyson, like a science advocate, you know, kind of a thing. Right, exactly. She wants to like, she wants to move it forward and like right. make sure people are, you know, kids, kids are continuing to like have that love. For sure. Supported. Yeah. That's the word. Um, she also wrote and or co-wrote seven books on space for children, um, also geared towards supporting their love of science and space and all that good stuff. Uh, there's a couple of them I want to find for my sister because I think she would like them. And then in 2009, she was part of the Augustine Committee, which helped uh, define NASA's spaceflight goals for the future, which I think is really neat. Mm -hmm. She was like, okay, I'm going to keep saying what's next. Um, and that's great. And she does a whole lot of cool stuff. Um, but unfortunately, Sally Ride passed away on July 23rd, 2012 of pancreatic cancer. 
Uh, and in her, her obituary, it's revealed that her partner of 27 years was Tam O'Shaughnessy. Um, and we're going to get the whole, like, the whole trope of, like, childhood friends to lovers. It's coming. Because uh, Tam was a childhood friend who she met when they were both aspiring tennis players. They kept in contact over the years. A relationship blossomed. Uh, she was also a scientist. Uh, and she helped co-found Sally Ride Science. Uh, where she served, I think she still serves mm. as CEO and a, and a chair of the board. Wasn't Tam also a pretty successful uh, uh, tennis player? She was a pretty successful tennis player yeah. and scientist. Yeah. Um, brilliant, of course. Um, she co-wrote six of the seven books with Sally. Um, their relationship was very private, but never secret. So, like, it was, it was like, you know, private, but, like, they weren't hiding it or anything. Sure. Um, in an, in an interview, her sister said that, like, we all knew about Tam. She was part of the family. Like, it was it was no big deal. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was it was a similar thing with her cancer diagnosis. Like, that one she kept a little bit more secret and private. Um, just because she was like, it's, a, it's, it's my thing. Like, you don't need to know about it. It's sure. my private business. Yeah. And, you know, she passed away, and that's when it all kind of comes out. Um, but by this confirmation from Sally's sister, Karen, who's also, who goes by Bear, um, I wouldn't go by Karen either. I, bear, like, if you could go by Bear, fucking go sure, by Bear, dude. Sure. Bear Grylls, what's up? <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, so this makes Sally the first lesbian astronaut and the first lesbian in space, which is cool. There we go. Uh, so take that, cosmonauts. I mean, <laughs> there's, there's every possible, there's every possibility that one of the cosmonauts was also a lesbian and just not like acknowledged who knows yeah um but over her life sally received countless awards and accolades um she's in the national women's hall of fame the national astronauts hall of fame the california hall of fame she was awarded nasa's space flight medal twice wow there are two elementary schools named after her one in texas one in maine neither of which are states she lived in um <laughs> a navy ship was christened in 2014 the rv sally ride and is used for oceanographic research that's cool which i feel like is really interesting because that's the opposite direction she went but she was also very much like earth science focused yeah yeah so that's cool um in 2013 president barack obama posthumously awarded her the presidential medal of freedom at the national tribute to sally ride at the kennedy center and the tam was or the sorry the medal was presented to tam at the at the ceremony um, in 2014, she was added to the Legacy Walk in Chicago, which is an outdoor display that celebrates LGBTQIA plus history and people, which is lovely. Um, she was printed on a stamp That's in cool. 2018. That's how you know adorable, you made it. <laughs> right? But also, like, one of her childhood hobbies was stamp collecting. So oh, that's so that's cute. Cool. That's cool. I, I have um, a photo of uh, what appears to be a Lego minifigure of her. So there was a, there's also a Barbie of her. Yeah. <laughs> Um, I saw it at I saw it at Target like a couple years ago and I almost bought it and I was like I'm a 26 year old person I don't need a Barbie doll even if it is Sally Ride I wish I'd got it <laughs> um, she's gonna be on a quarter in 2022 very cool um, there's a Janelle Monae song called Sally Ride which I have cried listening to more times than I haven't because <laughs> it's a good fucking song um. So Dr. Ride always said that she felt really fortunate that her parents were supportive of her interests in science, even though neither of them really came from physical science backgrounds, and their support is what encouraged her to explore further, which is great. Um, her sister, Bear, is a gay Presbyterian minister. <laughs> I was reading I was reading about it, and I was like, all right, her, sister name, her sister's name is Bear. And I was like, if both of these sisters aren't lesbians, <laughs> I'm, I'm going to be sad because, like, if your name's Bear and you're not a lesbian. Yeah. Man, like, that's great for you. But also, I kind of had expectations. Right. It makes sense now. It makes sense now that you say but that. Then she, but then it was like, and she was. And I was like, great. Okay. Uh-huh. Um, so after her death, in an interview, she talks about how private a person Sally was, as I said before, and how even in old interviews, you can see, like, interviewers getting annoyed with her because she doesn't really react to questions about being the first American woman in space. Because, like, according to her sister, she's like, those are personal feelings. They're private. You don't sure. got to know about this. Sure. And you could see people getting, like, frustrated that she wasn't like, oh, my goodness, I'm so excited to be the first woman in space from America. <laughs> like, <laughs> I just think it's kind of funny that, like, 
you know, she, she, she kept it close Yeah, to she seemed like a kind but stoic person, you know, somebody who yes. kept their, their emotions close to their chest. Again, being a, being a astronaut, you know, you uh, you have to have a lot of mental control, you, you know, emotional yeah. control. For sure. But do you weep when things go wrong at work? <laughs> um, uh, in 2009, there was an astronomy night at the White House where Sally Ride took questions from the internet via Facebook. Um, and I watched it, and it was really lovely. There, I think there's a picture of it. You've got sighting yeah, somewhere. Yeah, yeah, um, It's so lovely, and... Like just listening to her talk about science and how like she's really passionate about like making sure that like women and young girls are like very strong in their passion about it and like if they want to continue on it she wants them to have like that support and how like I don't know I just I loved hearing her talk about science as a whole but especially like her love of like helping other people right. find science um, and so in 2017 which is five years after she passed away. 50% of the new class of astronauts were women, which is, I think, what she would have wanted. Absolutely, yeah, that's exciting. Um, and I'm like, we're going to end on, like, a personal note, because Sally Ride, as I said, is one of, like, my personal heroes. But I remember um, I just turned 18, and I was in L.A. for the first time with people, like, mostly people I didn't really want to be here with, like, save one person. Um, but I was, like, sitting in a hot car on the top of a parking structure, and I was reading her obituary in a car. And then I got to the part where it said partner of 27 years. And it kind of like rocked my world a little bit because I was like, one of my heroes was gay, cool. And I like, this is before I figured out any of this about me. <laughs> I was a completely different person and like figuring that out and like reading, reading that one of my heroes was gay and like had been in love with this other woman for like 27 years was like a huge, not like, it wasn't like a huge thing, but it like, it definitely was a like a bit of like a turning point. Of sure, like, clearly, okay. clearly, it kind of you know affected you and and made you think. Yeah, yeah. So, so thanks, Sally. I appreciate you. Yeah, God bless her. She had a hell of a life and, and did a lot of good. Total badass. All right, done with that personal oogie googie stuff. Let's <laughs> talk about our bill. Yeah. What how do you do, buddy? How, what is it going to be like when she fights a dragon? <laughs> Space dragon. Space dragon. Yeah. Do you want me to start first? Mm-hmm. All right. Let me let me show what I got here. I'm this is my build put together. for Sally Ride. So you know I, I've been on here before, and I always like to approach it like what what does she do in her life in that order, and like how could I build in that way? So first of all, as a background, I made her a sage. Uh, yep. Obviously, studying all the time. Uh, makes sense, a physics, uh, uh, you know, uh, master in physics or, or PhD in physics. Um, her first level, her first three levels are going to be artificer. Ooh. The reason being is she is so technology focused. Uh, in her first, you know, stint at NASA, she was instrumental in the creation of the rover. Uh, not the rover, excuse me, the arm, the, the Canada arm. Um, so I made her a, a Battlesmith Artificer. Uh, there's obviously magical tinkering. Uh, you can infuse an item, make, make it a magic item, etc. Uh, artificial, uh, excuse me, Artificer Specialist is Battlesmith, uh, which means that she is battle-ready. Uh, I think that means she is uh, proficient with martial and heavy armor. And uh, she has Steel Defender, which is she has, like, a robot by her side. Well, buddy! So I thought that would be perfect just to have the arm around, you know, fighting with her. I thought that made sense. So that's the, the first three levels. And then I did four levels in Cleric. Uh, cleric just makes sense. Mm -hmm. And I went with Twilight Domain. Twilight Domain, I think it's in Tasha's or in some other mm -hmm. um, book. I looked at that one, too, actually. Yeah, and although Twilight isn't technically... Twilight doesn't reference space. It means more like the difference between night and day. I still thought the mechanics worked really well. So Eyes of the Night, let me pull up what this thing has. So yeah. the, the, the first thing that you get at level one is Eyes of the Night. You can see through the deepest gloom. Your dark vision has a range of out to 300 feet. And I thought oh. that was cool for just like you're in space and you know you probably acclimate to the vacuum and to the darkness and to the extreme uh, brightness and, and dim light. Uh, and as an action, you can magically share this dark vision with somebody, which I thought was cool. Oh, I didn't notice that part. That's so cool. Yes, uh, vigilant blessing is something that, as an action, you touch 
either yourself or someone else, and they have advantage on the next initiative roll that they make. Mm. That was interesting. And then Twilight Sanctuary, as an action, you present your holy symbol and a sphere of twilight emanates from you. Um, Lasts for a minute. Uh, It grants you temporary hit points, and you end one effect on it, causing it to be charmed or frightened. So, yeah, so if you are an ally, I think, or charmed or frightened, it gets rid of that. Uh, So I I thought that was cool, and I thought that was, you know, she's always working with other astronauts, so it makes sense that, you know, you need these team abilities, and clerics are great for teams. And then finally was the uh, three levels in Horizon Walker, the Ranger class. I looked at that one too! Yeah, I I, I mean, obviously Horizon Walker is just perfect, you know, for an astronaut, that's what they do. Um what would the favorite enemy of a Horizon Walker be? I chose Aberrations. They tend to be kind of spacey, spacey weird creatures. Yeah. Favorite terrain? I just said space. Uh, <laughs> fighting style? There is an unearthed arcana called Mariner. And the, the Mariner fighting style gives you a climbing speed and a swimming speed. And I thought that made sense with all of her training oh, yeah. and in, yeah. in uh, uh, water and, and stuff like that. Um, Mariner the, space. Yes, exactly. Uh, so it would be like reflavored for space, but yeah, then that could be so cool. At third level for the Horizon Walker, there's detect portal. You can detect within a mile a portal. I mean, I flavor that as like you know maybe she could detect space anomalies or when like the shuttle was coming back around. Yeah. Oh yeah, that's a good point. Yeah. Yeah. And or then... like full magic, she can just detect. Exactly. <laughs> and then Planar Warrior, which is just a cool ability to add force damage to your attacks um, when you target a creature. So uh, that's that. Um, How'd she end up stat-wise? Stat-wise, I, since I started with Artificer, it was Constitution and, and Intelligence that were kind of the, mm. the main two ones. And just so that I could multi-class properly, I had to bump up Dex and Wisdom. So Strength okay. is at a 9. Dex is at a 13, Con and Intelligence are at 16, Wisdom is at a 14, and Charisma is at a 9. Nice. So, you know, um, because of this whole mix of multiclassing, she's good at Arcana, or proficient Mm -hmm. in Arcana, Athletics, History, Investigation, Nature, Perception, Sleight of Hand, and Survival. So a um, uh, a lot of those... Uh, sleight of hand kind of makes sense for working with the with the Canada arm. Yeah. And I managed to get her hit points just kind of doing the the average up to 86, which is not too bad. Oh, nice. Yeah. Uh, I didn't bother with armor class or anything like that. Uh, she is yeah. proficient with light armor, medium armor, martial weapons, heavy armor, and shields. Simple weapons, thieves tools, tinkers tools, which makes sense. Yeah. And then for spells... Uh, you know, I was able to pull from like all three of those classes. Mm-hmm. Guidance, mending, and sacred flame makes sense. Uh, yep. um, shield, fairy fire, sleep, detect evil and good, protection from evil and good, heroism, and alarm. I just thought of you know, yeah, alarm yeah, yeah. goes off. It sounds like the the shuttle's alarm going off. Um, at second level, there's lesser restoration, enhance ability, and find traps. I chose lesser. And find traps for the idea of when you know when the shuttle exploded and when she was doing the re, you know the the study into yeah. it, she oh, might yeah. she, you know she could maybe use these spells. At third level, moonbeam because it's yeah. moonbeam. Moonbeam is a good ass spell. Hey, it's a great spell, very powerful. No, no one can no one can <laughs> tell me otherwise. I love moonbeam. Sea invisibility, uh, protection from evil and good, which was something I get as a ranger. And then uh, at fourth level, she just had two extra spells, which was freedom of movement and locate creature. I just think freedom of movement is good for an astronaut yes. to have in space, floating around. Um, yeah, that's that's Sally Ride uh, for me. Just a three-part Dude, multi-class. That's so good. I love, I love a good three-part multi-class. Yeah, and, I, and I'm actually proud of myself because last time I did this, I had really low hit points. And now I have a pretty decent amount for a tenth-level character. Yeah, for sure. Oh, man. Oh, I'm so excited. I love that. All right, you ready to do yours? Yeah, 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 yeah. Okay, okay. I also did Sage for a background. um, Okay. But I did Druid 6 and Cleric 4. Ooh, cool. Uh, So for Druid, I did Circle of Stars. Um, Of course. 
Druids are my favorite class. Circle of Stars might be my favorite subclass. Um, I think it fits really well. It's super cool. You have all your usual Druid stuff, with like Wild Shape and Dru like knowing Druidic and spellcasting and all that. What would Sally uh, Ride turn into? Like, what, what is an animal to you? Or would she? Would she use that ability a lot in this build? I... Okay, actually, we'll get to uh, her starry forms. Okay. Which are... Which are Basically, she can do wild shape, but become like a starry form rather than transforming into. Okay, so she just do that. Yeah. So while you're a starry form, you retain your game statistics, but your body becomes a luminous. Your joints glimmer with stars and glowing lights. It sounds really pretty. Mm -hmm. um, you kind of like radiate light for an additional ten feet. Um, the form lasts for ten minutes. Really, answer is miss. Blah, blah blah. You know the usual, the usual uh, wild shape stuff. Uh, whenever you assume your starry form, you can choose from the following constellations. Uh, that glimmer on your body. So there's the archer. Um, when you activate it uh, as a bonus action on subsequent turns while it lasts, you can make a ranged spell attack uh, by hurling luminous arrows at a target within That's 60 cool. feet of you. On a hit, it deals radiant damage. Um, you can be you can have the chalice, which is um, when you cast a spell slot. Uh, when you cast a spell using a spell slot that restores hit points to a creature, uh, you or another creature within 30 feet regain hit points. Uh, equal to a d8 plus your wisdom modifier That's so you can cool. heal or there's also dragon um when you make an intelligence or wisdom check or a constitution saving throw uh to maintain concentration on a spell uh you can treat a roll of nine or lower on a d20 as a 10. Very so cool. like very useful very cool um and then at sixth level you also get um cosmic omen uh, which is you kind of consult your so, oh sorry I'll go back to star map sorry I got distracted by starry forms but the first thing you get at second level is starry map which is a chart of the heavens um, and when you're holding this map you know the guidance cantrip guidance cantrip and it doesn't take away from your um, cantrips oh, cool. that you know oh yeah uh, you have guiding bolt as a spell prepared uh, it counts as a druid spell for you and it doesn't count against the number of spells you have prepared. And you can cast Guiding Bolt without expending a spell slot. And you can do this the number of times equal to your proficiency bonus and regain all expended uses after you finish a long rest. Which is so cool. Yeah, that's a really cool build. Which is four times at 10th level. You can you can just do <laughs> Guiding Bolt four times at 10th level. Costing you nothing. Cost of nothing. It's so cool. Very cool. Um, so when you reach 6th level, you get Cosmic Omen, which is you consult your map. Um, and you can roll a die. Um, and until you finish the next long rest, you gain access to a special reaction based on what you've rolled. Uh, so wheel is even when a creature you can see within 30 feet of you is about to make an attack roll, a saving throw, or an ability check. You can use your reaction to add a d6 to their roll. Nice. Um, or woe, which is odds, whenever a creature you can see within 30 feet of you is about to make an attack, saving throw, or ability check, you can use a d6 to subtract from that number. Uh, and you can use this reaction a number of times equal to your proficiency bonus and regain all expended versions of, you know. So, again, for use of that. Very cool. And also, druids are great, and I love them. <laughs> um, and then for uh, da, 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 for Cleric 4, I went with the Knowledge Domain of Cleric. Yeah, I almost went with Knowledge Domain, too. Yep, I was so close to doing Horizon Walker instead yeah, of Cleric. Yeah, But, um... Just her, her her love of knowledge and her love of like yeah, sharing it, makes sense. It, it made the most sense to me, yeah. Um, so at first level, you get the spells command and identify. Don't count against the ones you know. Um, and then at third level, you get augury and suggestion. Excuse me, which are great. Um, at first level, you get blessing of knowledge, which is you learn two languages of your choice, which would put her up to five languages by my count wow. on, on my build of her. Um, you also become proficient with your choice of arcana, history, nature, or religion, and proficiency bonuses are doubled uh, with those checks. Wow. Um, yeah, I see now your history and nature are pretty Yeah, pretty my high. history and nature are 11. Yeah. And then uh, the rest that I had for her were arcana, which is at a, everything else is at a 7. Arcana, perception, religion, and survival. Because um, I kind of wanted to call back to like her history with her family and like her sister being Presbyterian minister, so a little bit of religion sprinkling. Oh, that makes sense. Okay. I think she's a cleric. Um, and then a channel divinity at second level, um, you can divine from a well of knowledge. Uh, as an action, you can choose one skill or one tool, and for 10 minutes, 
you have proficiency with that sk- chosen skill or tool. Interesting. So, uh, besides the besides the usual channel divinities that you'd have at that point, yeah. um, which I think is just turn undead right now. Um, so those are pretty cool um, things that she would have, and as a cleric, she would have like proficiency in what was it? Uh, medium armor and wep. I think any weapons, uh, if I remember correctly. Um, but I gave her a light hammer. Um, but for like flavor purposes, it's a robotic arm, and she mm-hmm. just beats people with that. Yeah. <laughs> um, and I, I kind of, I kind of glossed over the fact that druids aren't allowed to use things that are made of metal. One, because I think that's stupid. Metal comes from the earth. True. Um, that's true. But two, it doesn't make sense for her. And that's a dumb rule. That's a dumb rule. <laughs> um, she has leather armor, but I'm flavoring it as her spacesuit. Right. Um. And then for spale, what, what, would oh, you, what, what would be the druidic focus? Like, what do you imagine it to be? <sighs> That's what I've kind of been like going back and forth on because I kind of like the idea of her, like her hammer being like the robotic arm, also being her druidic focus. Yeah. But I don't like. I don't know. Maybe like a tennis racket. Sure. Yeah. <laughs> or or like her stamp collection. I don't know. <laughs> the um, uh, the artificer I think can make like their their. Uh their focus like almost anything that they create or have like i think it's an ability like you can make your weapon or you can make your armor your mm-hmm. your focus so i yeah i imagine like her spacesuit was her focus yeah i feel like i feel like she'd just have like a like a small thing or like oh no or maybe like a small trinket from tam that she carried to space yeah that's cute <laughs> <laughs> anyway um <laughs> i'm just writing fan fiction now <laughs> um I sat it out. I I took just two ASIs instead of taking any feats. I thought about giving her athlete, but by the time I was looking at it, I was like, eh, ASIs will do basically the mm-hmm, same thing. Mm-hmm. Um, her strength with a 12, uh, dexterity and constitution are both 14, intelligence, wisdom are both 16, uh, and then her charisma is a 10. Um, just because I don't think she was that bothered by it, which, valid. <laughs> true. Yeah, that's true. I, I really didn't take into consideration how wise she probably was to be in the sense that she was able to handle the scrutiny quite well. Right, yeah. Um, so she has a ton of spells and a ton of cantrips. <laughs> uh, she gets guidance because of, um, was it Circle of Stars? Yeah. Uh, light, mending, thaumaturgy, sacred frame, druid craft, produce flame. Uh, just because I thought like it'd be kind of cool if you could like solder with a produce flame. Oh, that's cool. To, like, like maybe not solder in space because that's dangerous, but like soldering on Earth. I like that. And then Thorn Whip, because I thought that would be super useful in space. If someone becomes untethered, you can just... Yeah, that's great. Um, First level, Command, Identify, and then which she gets from uh, Knowledge Domain. Guiding Bolt, which she gets from Circle of Stars. Uh, And then I gave her Bless, Shield of Faith, Cure Wounds, because Druid, Cleric, you have to have at least Cure Wounds in there. for sure. Uh, and then Thunder Wave, because Thunder Wave is also a good spell, and you can't tell me otherwise. <laughs> um, suggestion and Augury from uh, Knowledge Domain as well. And then Silence, which I think would be utterly terrifying if you had an astronaut who could just project to you the silence of space. Yeah, that's awesome. I, I love that. Terrifying. <laughs> For sure. Uh, also Moonbeam as well, because Moonbeam's fucking good. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then for third levels, I gave her uh, Daylight, which I thought would be useful for, like, illuminating magical darkness as well as just, like, in space. Just daylight. a good flavor, yeah. Yeah, good good flavor there. Uh, wind Walk, because that kind of reminded me of, like, anti-gravity, how they just kind of... Different directions. Um, <laughs> call Lightning, because I, I... Honestly, I picked Call Lightning because I was like, she doesn't have a whole lot of offensive stuff. She can't really protect right. herself that much. That's the problem is, like, when you're making these builds, like, you really think about what spells, like, work with this person, and it tends to lean more towards kind of the flavorful spells and not so much the combat-centric spells. Yeah, I I try to, like, find a happy medium Mm -hmm. or at least throw, like, a couple combat spells in there just like, okay, you'll be fine. You'll be fine. Right. Um, And then sending, because it'd be really nice to be able to just, like, send messages back down to Earth Mm -hmm. um, and revivify Cleric. She has to. Um, I also gave her freedom of movement. Um, Polymorph, for the same reason I didn't call lightning. It's good utility. Yeah. Um, And then banishment, 
because getting banished in space sounds like the worst thing I can imagine. <laughs> oh boy. Getting banished to space, yeah, that's a good one. I, I was looking at banishment too, and I couldn't quite figure out how it would work in my head, but I, I like your explanation of it. Yeah, uh, and then fifth level, I gave her greater restoration, um, and also conjure elemental because I like that conjure conjure elemental always feels like vaguely space e to me. For sure, some yeah. I don't really have a good reason why not, but it. It feels like you could uh, you could flavor a, a a fire elemental as like a star elemental or something you know oh yeah 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 or like or, a or a, elemental is like gas a, yeah or a rock elemental as like a as a as a meteor or something meteor. you know mm-hmm. ah, yeah 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 okay yeah I feel better about this trick now <laughs> makes more sense now that we've talked about <laughs> um and then oh her her hit points were pretty low for me I got a fifty eight um a little but squishy not, not but she was she was human so. Yeah, we've got we've got we've got uh, we've got things to make her a tank. That was good. It's a good build. I mean, I think you managed to do a lot with her spells. Like I focused more on the classes, kind of defining her, and it looks like you right. feed that cat. Medicate uh, the cat. <laughs> oh, medicate the cat. Uh, but I I feel like you did a great job picking the spells that really like flavor wise. Uh, I think support who she is. Yeah, we both definitely, like, we took it two different directions, but mm-hmm. it worked mm-hmm. fucking well. Yeah, Love good it. job. Man, you too, buddy. <laughs> that was yeah, fun. It was so fun learning our... about her. It was, you know, because I, like I said at the beginning, I've always been interested in astronauts and stuff, and it was just very yeah. cool to to learn about another one. Super cool. Super cool. Super cool person. Um, thank you, Sergio, for hanging out with me. Yeah, this thank week. you. Um, and running, running our, running our Twitchums. Uh, is there anything you need to you want to? <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Twitch. It just made me think of steakums. You know what steakums are? <laughs> no. What steakums are like frozen strips of meat that like you can like microwave and eat. It's like cheap meat that like latchkey like, kids use to to feed themselves. Freezer jerky. Yes, exactly. Yeah. So I just oh. thought of that. <laughs> steakums. Just my trying to make it cute for the latchkey kids. Oh god. Um. Yeah. Wow. Uh, you you, you asked fun? me a question. Yeah, things we things yeah. we can promote and talk about. Well, we have this Friday. We've got a new episode of Ashoka. We've got what? Maybe no, we don't. Two? We don't. We don't this weekend. Oh, that's right. Excuse Starforged. me. Starforge. We have our Starforge Test that's Zero right. this so, week, though. Yeah, Friday is Starforge. Little break. We'll have everybody we'll break on. Ashoka. Yep, exactly. <sighs> and then um, Tuesday, we should start up again with our normal uh, Starforged. It might be a rerun. It, of, of Friday, but it might also be just kind of depending on schedules, uh, you know, an actual yeah. session. So we'll see about that. But yeah, then we'll we'll just continue along our way. We've got, what would you say, two episodes left of Ashoka? Potentially just one. Potentially it, it depend, just one long on one, right? It could, be, it could be some, like, big, sexy, juicy, long-ass episode. <laughs> or we might break it down into two just for Eli's sanity. Right. It's going to be great either way. Yeah. There's a lot of I I I can I can reveal that I cried. <laughs> I'll say that <laughs> at least once. I think maybe twice. It's good. It's a good remember. ending. Critical Role did seven so hours, good. so I think you know we can we can do a couple oh, yeah. hours. <laughs> yeah. Well. Um. Yeah. So we'll have we'll have Ashoka coming at you. Um. Not this week. Um. Probably next week. Yeah. Again, if Eli needs more time, we give Eli more time. Absolutely. Because Eli is a goddess, and we do what Eli needs. Um, we, yes, as Sergio said, we'll be back with our with our Starforged Iron Sworn. But definitely uh, join us on Friday please, if you can. Please do. Oh, it's going to be, you know the chaos when all seven of us get together. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it I is. suspect it's going to be a, a, a universe no one has ever expected. <laughs> oh, God. That, that's where session one for Iron Sword was where we came up with the storm birds are on yeah, the switches, right? Yeah, yeah, God. yeah, yeah. And it's interesting because yes. we're going to come into that with a little less structure. I, I have a little bit less of an idea about what to do, so it's we're going to just completely make it up and see <laughs> see where it goes. Yeah. Oh, I'm so excited! I can't wait. I love doing session zeros with you guys because they are just <laughs> fucking nonsense. They are full of creativity. Yes, exactly. Yeah. Um, I also yeah, want to say, are, those are big I also want to say, if anyone is is enjoying our stuff, I mean, you do such a great job hosting this show, and you know, we're always trying to grow. We do have a Patreon that you can subscribe to yes. if you just want to subscribe to our Twitch. That's a lovely way to support us. But uh, um, we, we we're really enjoying this. It's it's a lot of fun. Yeah, 
Uh, also, if you don't already, follow us on social media, uh, Mayday Roleplay on Twitter and Mayday RP on Instagram. Um, oh, is there anything else? I feel like Jeez, I'm forgetting I, I, things. I, I, I no, I think we've got over everything. <laughs> I, yeah, we... I think I think it's just because we're doing a lot of stuff like yes, we have a lot of the pipeline that we're thinking about behind the scenes. Stuff. Exactly. Yeah, so, I think that's what know, I'm thinking about. We've got a lot on our plate. So one day, yes. we get to know. Not yet, though. <laughs> um, but thank you, everyone, for hanging out with us, for going to space with us. Go to space with us again in two days on Friday. Well, it'll be seven o'clock, seven p.m. PST as usual. Um, yeah, thank you, Sergio. Thank you, all of our friends who watched. Uh, and I hope you have a lovely uh, rest of your week. You too, Allegro. Thanks, guys. Bye.
Mm-hmm.